Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When I was two years old, when I was dedicated I was laying there, practically, and I had her hold me as if I was me. I couldn't talk, I couldn't open my eyes, I, I believe my eyes were going back in my head. There was evidence of human sacrifice on this fight. One of my first questions I asked was, God, is there evidence Welcome back to Conspiranormal, guys. And we are Lukeless tonight, but we do have in the studio, as always, the uh, guy I like to call the podcast Jesus or the podcast savior, <laughs> Mr. Robbie Lenz. Hello, everybody. <laughs> and as everyone, I'm sure, knows by this point, unless you've been living under a rock for the last uh, week and a f- couple of days, there were some terrorist attacks in Paris uh, at a theater, well, that was the main terrorist attack, and at a stadium there, and at, I believe, like at a Cambodian restaurant. And I have someone on the line that we've talked about on this show a couple of times that we've mentioned, and we do have Ellie Marzulli coming up later, but I thought it would be a good idea to get someone that lives in Europe and I've been talking to this person on Facebook 
messenger for a while now. His name is Stephen Ogden. And Stephen lives in Germany. And we're going to kind of get his idea of what's going on over there and kind of like eyes on the ground. Like our, He's going to be like our European correspondent. So, Stephen, welcome to Conspiranormal. Hey, thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, now... As, like I said before, as everybody knows, there was a terrorist attack in Paris. Uh, ISIS has taken responsibility for it. Uh, I want to kind of, first of all, geographically, where are you located in Germany? So people kind of have an idea of where you are and how close you are to things on the ground there. Right. Well, I'm about an hour below Hamburg, I would say. Okay. On an hour and a half, let's say, driving, uh, right in the middle of Germany, actually. Right, okay. if you put a dot right in the middle of Germany, right there. Okay. And it's somewhere close to, like, the Rhineland, I believe, in that area? Yeah, it's a bit further away. I'm, I'm in the actual, it's called the Weserbergland, okay. which is basically, um, yeah, right in the middle of Germany, yeah. <laughs> right. So, the western part of Germany. Uh, how yeah, far? Exactly. How far is, like, if you had to guess, is Paris... From where you live, about uh, I would say three hundred k's. That in miles, I've got no clue. <laughs> how many? If you had to drive there, how many hours would it take you? Uh, three and a half to four hours, depending on traffic. You know. Okay, so it's about the same distance from us. Like we live in Nashville, so it would be the same distance from us to go to like Atlanta for us. So that's that's yeah, that's I pretty guess, yeah. that's that's pretty close. So it'd be about like two hundred. 200-something miles, 220 miles, something like that. Yeah. Uh, so, well, first of all, I want to kind of, before we start talking about the attacks themselves, I want to talk about what's going on in the area that you live in and kind of the effect that you might be seeing in this kind of like small, in this in this area of Germany that you live. And... It, What's going on over there as far as potential terrorism or the refugee crisis or any of the stuff that's going on in Europe? Yeah, sure. Well, as for Germany, obviously, you Americans all know Bavaria. It's in, the, it's in Germany, in the south of Germany. That is where the most of the migrants actually at this time, because obviously they're going in through what's called the Balkan route. And that is basically they're going through Turkey, then Slovenia and all those like Eastern Bloc states going in through Austria and then entering into Bavaria. And I'm in the north, which is, well, northwest, which is, uh, oh, what's in English? <laughs> Nordrhein-Westfalen is, is the German name of it. Okay. And um, we haven't had that many of the migrants in my area, especially because we're like, Cows and tractors everywhere. I'm not <laughs> right, in a big town, right, you know what I mean? Right. Yeah, and um, what we've had up here, like, the harshest thing I've had up here is I've got a good friend. He was in the British Army, and he was um, a main guy, let's say, in a hospital about an hour's drive away from here, right? And um, he told me, like, I-, I won't mention any names like that or anything, but he said... Um, we got these girls from, from your town in our hospital. And I'm like, wait a second, we've got a hospital here. Why are the girls an hour away? It's a, and he was told by the police to not divulge any of this. 
actually a girl and her friend were raped here and they got brought into the hospital about an hour away and told and to not reveal anything. Okay. That, that is the harshest thing I've heard. And these girls, they're obviously young, like 12 and 13 or whatever, in that age bracket. Wow. And um, I've heard from, from the school because they went to my school that I am, and that I was uh, as well in this town. And um, yeah, they basically moved away now. Okay, so this happened in your town, but they were taken to yeah. another city about an hour away. Now, what, yeah. why were they told not to say anything about well, what happened? Well, it's just to them? like, well, I'll just go to Hanover, right? About a week ago now. Okay. And we had the bomb threats on the Germany game in Hanover, which is about an hour away from me as well. It's in the, it's north. And, um, the oh, I need to find the English word. Basically, the guy in the government in charge of what happens in Germany, like the main guy responsible for all the uh, the agencies and stuff like that, he said in press like the conference said, "Well, I've got information about attacks from whatever, but I'm not able to divulge this at this time because it will make people scared." All right. And he said that in a live interview, and everyone's like, "Wait." We're not supposed to be scared. What? What? And it's things like that. It's like with uh, what you would have heard, like the AFD in Germany and like that. The right is moving up in the polls. I mean, moving up like multiple decimal points up. And they just want to stop the people from basically going on the streets and throwing these guys back to where they came from. Okay, so th- this particular case with the with the the girl the girls that got raped. This now yeah. were these were the Syrian refugees that did this, or were these people that well, had already been in Germany for a while? Well, we actually I live in a town, and we've got about how many? We got nine thousand or so okay. the population, and we got three hundred migrants, and uh, they're basically in the middle of town, just hanging out on the town square now. And it, I was told that it wasn't refugees. Now, I know it's always like, oh, he, he got this off a mate of his. But honestly, he, the guy that <laughs> I've known him my entire life, his mum was the actual midwife at my birth. And, then, and that's how long I've known him. So if he, you know, he said that's true. And he got, he lost his job actually at the hospital for that. Okay. Because he, uh, he wasn't having any of it. So, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's what is that something else that has gone on? Has that been been happening a lot in in Germany? Well, reports, you know, let's say you read you read about it on Facebook, like, and it's like the media won't say yes, but everyone knows basically what's going on. Yeah, and, and do you, you know, feel- it's just like yeah. What do you what do you feel like the government is kind of covering that that up in a way? Oh to, yeah. To, to yeah, not, yeah, yeah, they don't. They want to kind of like avert mass hysteria, maybe. Yeah, the thing is with Merkel, you might have heard Angela Merkel, the Chancellor of Germany. She basically right. said to all the refugees in the world, "Germany is open. Everyone flee to Germany." That is exactly what she said, and uh, and she basically, you know, you say, oh, "I'll be there for you," you know, and then a friend. It, you never call, you know, they, they don't need you to be there. It's just nice to hear that you will actually be there for them. 
The thing is, the refugees all said, yeah, let's go to Germany. And now we've had over a million here this year alone. And we're not even done with this year yet. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Germany seems to be the destination for quite, a lot of, for quite a lot of the people, quite a lot of the refugees there. Yeah, uh, exactly. And that's why they're trying to, uh, yeah, to... To make sure everyone's a bit, you know, a bit, a bit, they don't overreact and they're saying everyone's overreacting, but the thing is, we're actually underreacting. And, can, and could you imagine in America, a hundred, like a million illegals at the border in one year? And can you imagine it? Yeah, I mean, it's more like a kind of like a trickle here. I mean, you know, we, we have a lot of illegal immigrants in this country, but it's it's kind of like more, it doesn't happen all at once, obviously, you know. Yeah, it's, the it's thing is with you... Yeah, sorry. Well, it's not a very organized thing as opposed to maybe uh, what's going on now where there's a mass of people just kind of coming into yeah. Europe from, from Syria. Yeah. Yeah, the thing is over here, it's organized though. They go to Turkey, right? They get over on the boat or whatever, or they go to Greece or get, you know, out of the ocean, they get rescued or whatever. And then they go in, into camps, into so-called hotspots. And then they get brought onto buses, and then they get brought onto trains and onto buses. And every, like every state just says, well, we don't want them off to Germany. And it goes from Slovenia, Austria. It goes all, all the way through at the Austrian border. And then they say, bye, and they're in Germany. And that's how it's happening, basically. Hmm. So what I really want to know is yeah. the people's reaction to what is happening there. Uh, with the the refugee crisis now do are do some people believe that there are people in amongst the refugees that are really do need the help because they've been in the, this war zone and then are there some people that just want to reject the refugees outright or there's some people that want to kind of screen do a screening process on them what's kind of the reaction there well the reaction was basically at the start aside from the start um Everyone's like, yeah, we need to help them. You know, and I can understand it. If, you, if you're in a war and you've lost everything, you've lost your house, you've lost your job, you've lost maybe a part of your family or whatever, and you really need help, and you're like, you've got small, like, you've got, like, the kids there and all that. I know. They need help. They need blankets. They need food. They need housing. They need an education. I wouldn't reject anyone like that. The problem that we have over here is that, over 80%, and that is just mildly saying it, it's over 80%, of the people that are actually arriving here are all males, hmm. and they're all in the age that I'm in. Like, they've just been done with school, they're young adults. And the best, we visit the best weapons of war are always the young adults, if we look in history. It's always the young adults that buy it, you know, the young, like, the youth that are made into that. And the, yeah, the reaction is basically um, at the start of the year, yeah, we need to help them. In the middle of the year, uh, maybe we need to screen them. And now if we look at the attacks in France, I've, I've read in the news today that three of the attackers were, were like refugees. And one of the guys was actually rescued out of the, out of the ocean by the Navy and brought to Germany. So you don't think that the that... that passport that was found they said that they found a passport on one of the one of the shooters at that theater you don't think that that was yeah. a fake passport you think that, that was a real syrian passport 
that was there on the ground? Because I've heard some Honest. like here in in CN, on CNN, they've been talking a lot about. Uh, they interviewed a Syrian refugee, I believe, in it was either Germany or France. I can't remember, but he said that uh, you know it was easy to to fake one of those passports. So do you think that maybe do, do they think that 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 was a real actual passport and these these, these guys were really Syrian refugees? Well, the thing is, it doesn't matter if it was a real one or not, because actually the Greek uh, authorities actually, and they have him on file. He yeah. basically got lined up, he got the picture taken, they opened the file on him, he said his name, which was also in the passport, okay. and then that's how we know he was from there. Because okay. the Greeks, they got him out of the ocean, right, right, and registered him, and then on through the Balkan route up to Germany, and then into France. Right, so there was a trail there. There was a yeah, a, exactly a paper trail or a data trail connected exactly. to that. Okay, see that's something okay. I haven't. That's something I haven't heard over here. So that's interesting. Yeah. Uh, so you have this situation where you have mostly. You know, you were throwing out the what you said, like eighty percent men was the figure yeah. I think that you threw out. Uh, it, it, with that kind of situation and you have now you're in your early twenties, I believe you said. Yeah. And then, so yeah. they're kind of the same age. So, so this is the idea that these, that this might be someone that is in poverty or has been through this situation. These might be some of the people that are more able to be, to be radicalized. Okay. But do they also think that there are maybe that there are ISIS sleeper agents embedded with these, with these men? Well, the, the thing that I think is most of the people that are actually ISIS in Europe are already here and have been here for a long time. Because the thing that's basically sure. caused the situation we have in Europe now, right, is we had an influx of migrants all through the start of the 21st century. All yeah. through the last years that we obviously had war in the Middle East, we've had the influx of Afghanis, Iraqis, and Syrians, Turks, and you know, anyone basically out of the Middle East. Right. For some reason or whatever, they, they said, right, we're going to Europe, it's better there. I can understand that. Yeah. The thing is, well, the, the thing that's happened here now is these people have gone to like, the best example is Brussels at the moment. They've gone to Brussels as an example and they've all, you know, and they went there at the start into one region of the city, of Brussels. And then the next, next guy came, and the next, and the next, and they opened a shop, and they bought a house or whatever. And now all of these people out of the Middle East are in this one space of the city, which is basically for a no-go area. Yeah. Like, it's basically, if you're not a Muslim or whatever, you get thrown out. So, so this is something that actually is happening over there. Yeah, it is happening, mate. Honestly, okay. I've been to Hanover. There are some places in Hanover where I wouldn't go. Okay, so this is going on Being in Hanover, which is probably kind of like a mid, a mid-sized city, basically. Yeah, basically. I think it's got like a million and a half or so inhabitants. Okay. Which for Germany is big. <laughs> right, right. And there are even areas in Hanover where you wouldn't feel comfortable going. Uh, now, is there an implementation in some of these cities of what we here refer to as Sharia law? 
Well, the thing that I experienced is I was uh, last year I was on the uh, Christmas market in Germany. We have that here in Germany, the Christmas market, which is basically the run up to Christmas. There's market there where you can drink uh, hot wine or beer, or whatever you know. It's basically like the Christmas markets. It's just the German thing, basically. I don't know if you have it over there, but when we were walking over that, and I've obviously got a, a girlfriend here, and um, these guys they walked up to us holding the Quran and saying, "Oh, your girlfriend she needs to wear a headdress, and it's uh, oh, you know she go to hell and stuff like that if she doesn't wear a headdress." <laughs> Okay. Like, on, the, the only reason I didn't bash his head in is because it was three of his mates behind him. Right. You know what I mean? It's like, and, and you hear about that all the time. So they actually just kind of physically, like verbally harass, harass people on the street there. Well, the thing is, they're in, and they're in the, the gray zone, you know, with laws. It's, like, it's, it's legal, it's illegal in the middle of the gray zone. Yeah. You know what I mean? Right, and it's like that. They just have these, like these stands, and with like big, uh, like the signs, discover Islam from for yourself, and and all that kind of stuff. Handing out the free Qurans and stuff. Can you imagine going to Turkey, and that is a very westernized place. Yeah, Turkey is more secular than most of the most of the yeah, Muslim exactly. countries. Right. If you go to Turkey and hand out free Bibles. Oh God! <laughs> you wouldn't return alive, honestly. Yeah. You wouldn't. Yeah. You wouldn't. It's just how it is. Right. You know. Yeah, I mean, the the same applies probably for some place like I've heard like in Israel too. You know, there's some it, that there's it's kind of looked down upon, like handing out Bibles or stuff like that. So yeah, there are, there are definitely those those type of countries where yeah, because we live. In Western society, and I'm going to say, you know, Germany is probably not much more different than the United States. You know, we live in in a secular society, and we live in a society that has freedom of religion and freedom exactly. from religion. But you know, these people want to want to practice their religion, but they're also very forceful about trying to, obviously, very forceful about trying to convert people. And, and then you know, you're talking about Hanover, and you're talking about you know that you know, in that city, well, in Paris, in Brussels, there it's probably even worse. You probably it have is. even more of a concentration of these areas. Now, yeah. would you yeah. agree? Uh, one of the things that I found interesting about the situation in Europe with Arabs, Muslims, whatever you want to say there, as opposed to the United States, is that the people in in Europe are coming more in groups and they're coming more from like the lower end of a, of an economic spectrum uh, because a lot of them are refugees or a lot of them just wanted to escape from, from the crushing poverty in North Africa and the Middle East. And like you said, who can blame them? You know, certainly here yeah. in the United States, we have Mexicans coming over the border. They, they don't have an opportunity in Mexico, so they come here to work and they can make money and they can send it back there. Uh, but as far as the Muslims here in the United States, it's always seemed to be that a lot of those people are more upwardly mobile. They come here to make money. They come yeah. here to live. And so there's a less there's a less of a 
there's a less of an less of an issue of that kind here in the United States. So yeah, would you would you would you would you agree with that statement? Yeah, I would actually agree with that a lot because um, how can I say it? It's like with the EU, right? Everyone always flees here first, and the lucky ones they go over to America, and it's like over here in Germany. I can just walk now to Poland or to Austria. I can walk over the border, no worries. I'm not even going to get checked. Right, because you right? have the, so the Schengen Agreement, you can just go yeah. through. Yeah, yeah, Schengen Agreement, yeah. Right. And, and to get into the U.S. is hard. I mean, it's hard. You get checked. It's like uh, it's not as easy to get into the U.S. as it is to get into Germany, which yes. means you need a bit of money. You need to be smart. You need to be educated, which means the people in America, the actual the Muslims that are in America that emigrated there or fled there will be smarter have a bit of money, you know what I mean? They're a bit educated. Right. And it's harder to and to, edu- uh, and to, uh, to get a, a really educated guy and to bomb someone because they say, why? You know, why? Yeah. You know, I have my good life. I've got my job. I've got my family. Why do I need to bomb that house over there? And But if you've got a person that's got no education, they live in Germany, in in Belgium, in France, or wherever, and they don't even speak the language because they've not been educated. Right. And ed- the lack of education and the lack of integration is the biggest thing that the biggest flaw that we have in the EU. Because we can bring in millions, you know, we can support them. Germany's rich. We're really rich, honestly. We're rich, and Germany's always been rich, even after the Second World War. We were still rich, more or less. Yeah. But. Um, the thing that's not happening here is the actual integration because of the mass, the flood of people. I know flood's a bad word, but it fits. You know, the flood of people here is just, uh, the system just says overload. The system is overloaded. You know, if we've, if we've got like 100,000 a year, maybe we can do it. You know, we need to, and to get them all to learn German, we need to get them all to actually integrate which means they go on to Christmas markets, they see people drinking alcohol, eating pig, eating bratwurst, <laughs> and not thinking, oh, these, these bloody Germans. You know what I mean? They need to say, oh, yeah, you know, I don't want that. I don't need alcohol. I don't, I don't need that. My religion is this. But, you know, live and let live. Why, you know, why intervene? Right. And that is the reason why we've had this now in Europe. The people are not being integrated. They're just getting thrown into ghettos where they all speak their language, where no one speaks the language of the place they're actually in. And, and that's why it's gone so bad over here, basically. Well, well do, you, do you feel that there are some people, especially younger people that maybe have been there for a generation that are beginning to integrate into the, into the society? Oh, yeah, sure. I mean, I've got, I've got some friends that are Muslims that, the better educated than I'll ever be, to be honest. <laughs> Interesting. You know what I mean? Right. There's always like these people that get the chance to do and to learn and to educate and to work, you know, they will make it up. But if you've got a million a year entering your country, you can't give them all jobs. There's no places in school for them. And what about the German children? Yeah. And things like that. You know, it's gone that far that we've got, obviously, we've got... Um, if you don't have work, you get the money off the state, obviously, the dole, basically. Right. Or, or like uh, food stamps or things like that. And here, you, and you get like a flat, an apartment or a house or whatever, depending on the family size. 
and to live in. And the thing that's been really rallying people up here is imagine you're on the door, right? And you need help. You don't have a job or whatever. Your wife doesn't have a job. You've got three kids. You live in a house. The house is owned by the state. And then the state says, you need to move out because the refugees need to go in there. Hmm. And that's been happening over here. Yeah. And this is what, this is the other thing that I really want to talk about is the reaction from, let's say the quote unquote natives there in, in Germany, in Europe, you know, we've talked a lot on Facebook. You've told me that people are scared. People are beginning to arm up and that there, and you also mentioned at the beginning when we first started talking about that the right wing parties are beginning to gain more momentum and yeah. that's got to be a very interesting development, especially in a country like Germany, given the history there. So yeah, what's your feelings on all this? Well, if we look at France, let's say Marie Le Pen, and you might have heard of her, extreme white and right wing, you could say. Yeah. And uh, in France, it's okay to be right wing or left wing or, or, you know, it doesn't matter really because everyone says, yeah, they're right because you know, or the left or whatever, but in Germany, if you're right, on the right, you know, if you're like in the AFD or whatever, which is basically the new right and that's emerged, which is basically not like, before them we had the MPD, MPD, which is basically skinheads and Nazis, basically, and that's all it was, you know, folks. And the Nazi party, Nazis are still officially banned in Germany. I mean, you cannot be a Nazi in Germany. if you go up to any place in Germany and draw a swastika on the wall, you go into jail, mate. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's illegal to be a Nazi, which is kind of funny, really. <laughs> <laughs> right. Even, even the flags are banned. So, you know, ha- that's just banning flags. You know what I mean? It's like, uh, yeah, but yeah. that's just, it's the history. You know what I mean? Well, we've had a similar things happen, try to happen here, but yeah, we, we can. Yeah, uh, I've, yeah, I know about, yeah, yeah. And the, uh, the reaction of the people is mixed. And to be honest, it's hard to, it's a lot, it's a mixed bag. You know, we want to help the people that are immigrating here or fleeing here. But the thing is, we don't want to be annexed out of our own homes. Yeah. And um, it's hard to put into words. And to be honest, it's like my girlfriend, she doesn't, you know, I said, let's go to Hanover again, you know, the Christmas market. It's, it's a, you can just get on the train here and ride there. And she said, I don't think that I want to go there this year. Hmm. And I've got, I've got friends, you know, on Facebook and that I know here. And they're, like, they're writing me because obviously I'm a bit active on Facebook about all this kind of stuff. You know, I repost things and stuff like that. And they message me in a, in a private chat and they're saying, honestly, I, w- I don't. I'm not in the, the state of mind to talk about that openly, but I'm scared. Yeah, you know it's mostly girls, obviously, and women that yeah. are uh, that in that mindset. You know, like, and a lot of guys that I know, they're like, how can I say, like, who? Yeah, let's go. You know what I mean? They're like amping up. Right, right. Yeah, yeah that's that's yeah. that's the thing. Is is like, are, are we going to have like battles on the street? You know. Oh. We already have battles on the street here, mate. It's just not been in the media that much. Yeah. Uh, Honestly, just look at Hamburg a year ago. 
Just look at Hamburg a year ago. Migrants were like in a clash with clans that were already there on the street openly. Right. And, 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 and we're, not, we're not getting that here. We're not getting that yeah. here. Yeah. No, it's, it's already begun. That is, honestly, it's already begun. Let's just say in America you can buy guns almost anywhere, right? In Germany you need what's called gun license, Waffenschein. And there's like the two degrees of the actual gun license that you can have. It's the small license, which is basically for self-defense, which means sprays, anti-animal sprays, small hunting rifles, um, from things like that. And then you have like the big, the big uh, uh, gun license. The thing is, if you want a gun license, you need to be in a gun club. And you need to be in the third year. And you need to have a profile done up. You need to have... No, like, if you were ever in jail, you're never having a gun. You're not even having a small, a small anything, you know what I mean? And, um, and defending your family is not a reason in Germany to have a gun. Now, it, there have been incidents in Europe. I mean, we, we recently, uh, you may have heard this, we talked about the kid that walked into the school and targeted anybody with, like, brown skin. That was in Sweden. Yeah. And of yeah. course you have, you know, Anders Breivik, which was kind of yeah. indirectly related to the Muslim issue. He was more going after socialists, but but yeah. it had it had some something to do with that. So there there have been we have heard some of this stuff that's kind of come through. A lot of it's kind of filtered through the UK yeah. and Daily Mail, those kind of newspapers like that. Well, the thing with that is, no matter where you are, if you're in Australia, if you're in Germany or America or Sweden or it doesn't matter where, you will always have nut jobs. Yeah. You know what I mean? And you always have people that just snap. For one reason or another, they just snap and they go out and they kill some people. That's just how it is. I mean, a few years ago in China, a guy went into a school and just stabbed kids all day long. He just stabbed them. Right, and the kid in Sweden he used a, a sword. Yeah, he used a sword in Sweden. A sword? <laughs> yeah, he used a sword. <laughs> wow, okay. Yeah he, yeah, he walked into a school, and uh, he was dressed in like a Darth Vader mask and like a Nazi helmet, or like a stormtrooper helmet, you know, <laughs> and uh, like a the German stormtrooper helmet. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah. And so he, he, had, uh, he walked in there, and he started stabbing people and he was like i think he killed two people he was like showing it off to people at first and then yeah everyone, and people, thought, everyone thought it was just like he was just yeah and kids were taking a picture with him and stuff yeah. you know and then he went on a rampage wow. yeah R- rob I, let's get you in here a little bit if there's any questions you want to ask uh, um i i wish i knew more about what was going on over there but like you know it's we it's so filtered here everything that we get that it's yeah. that that's what makes us so great. That's such a, a refreshing um, viewpoint, you know. As far as questions, God, there's I don't probably know. a it's, bunch. Yeah, well, and I, I'm just, I don't know. I, I can't imagine what it's like over there. I just recently was was seeing some some pictures of, um, I think some of the areas where there's, um, you know, you're talking about they're they're kind of grouping together and. Yeah, the ghettos. Um, yeah, and 
I don't know. That's that's all I had heard about it. Oh, any of this really that you that you talked about was just like a couple little images and like a couple little blurbs on the news, and I just yeah. I don't know. Other than saying thanks for for coming on, I yeah. Yeah, no worries. <laughs> Anytime. That and, th- and that's the one thing, and and that you know we're getting over here now is that there's a great debate at the moment about whether we should let in. I think it's like ten thousand refugees or something, which that's, honestly is a drop honestly. in the bucket <laughs> to compare yeah. to what's been going on in Europe. Well, especially with such a landmass that we have here right, compared to, right. you know, a million people in Germany is a lot different than a million people in the United States. Right. Yeah. The thing is, though, in the U.S., Americans are the number one enemy of the terrorists, basically. That's just how it is, because that's just how they see, you know, America the devil. And yeah. it's understandable after 9-11 and things like that, that Americans will be very, um, let's say, harsh about bringing in the Muslims out of the war zones. That's just how it is. We're on guard for sure. Yeah, yeah because... But, yeah? Uh, well, I did like the statement you said earlier where you are talking about how um, you don't think... I mean, you think most of the ISIS agents that are going to be in Europe are already in Europe and have been there for a long time. Yeah. And the same is probably true here. Because, I mean, they, they have their resources. They don't need, I don't think, to disguise people as refugees to get get them here, like... And that's, well, that's, maybe to get them back and forth, but the thing is, in the U.S., it's hard to get in, mm-hmm. so they will uh, already be there, I would guess, I would guess. In the EU, it's much easier to just, you know, fly to Turkey, you walk over the border to Syria, because obviously the border is bloody open, of course, right. and then you just fl- uh, swim back basically as a refugee, and then you get fed, you get clothed, you get a bit of money, and oh, you're back in, you know, you're back in your clan, basically. Yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a situation that's going to bear watching. And, and, and Stephen, thank you for coming on and giving us a little bit of insight on that. And I also know that it's nearly two in the morning over there for you. So we really <laughs> appreciate you staying up and doing this with us tonight. No worries, no worries. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> well, we're going to take a break here, guys. We're going to get Ellie Marzulli on the line, and we will be right back on Conspira Normal. Welcome back, guys, to Conspira Normal. And that was a great uh, little mini interview that we just did with Stephen Ogden all the way in Germany. And uh, we let him get off the phone and get to bed. So we have on the line for the next hour or so, Mr. L.A. Marzulli. And L.A. Marzulli is someone that I've known about for a long time. Uh, Pretty influential in my thinking as far as uh, UFOs and what's going on there. I'd have to say... Him and Tom Horn kind of changed my mind and got me thinking of it in a different way. And we had uh, Mr. Marzulli back uh, last year, back at the beginning, I think the beginning of June, I think, in 2014. And we're happy to have him back, and we're going to talk about his book, Days of Chaos. Welcome back to Conspiracy Normal. Great to be back here, guys. Thanks for having me on. Hey, thanks for coming on. Uh, you know, we, we, we talked to you last year. And we kind of got a little bit of like your background and who you are. So I really want to jump into the book and talk about there's a lot to speak about because there's a lot in this book packed into about 200 something pages. So what kind of compelled you to write 
this uh, this book, Days of Chaos. So why did you take a lot of the blog entries and kind of what felt you felt compelled to write that? Well, you know, there are there are intros, outros, there are Arthur's sidebars. So it's not just like I'm rehashing old material. That's not the point. The point is I've been right. I've been doing writing the blog for about eight years. And what I found interesting is the trend is not going away. And all the topics that we talk about in the 20-some-odd chapters in the book, um, I, ch- I sort of cherry-picked the articles and links from the blog. And by the way, the, you know, the book is available now. We're about to go up with the ebook, which means all the links will be hot. So for the serious student that really wants to dig deeper, all those links that I posted are hot. You can go and Excellent. check them out yourself. And that... You know, look, there are people that just don't believe. I call these folks, with all due respect, ostrich people. You know, they walk around with their heads in the sand. I was on a radio show just just recently, secular guy, secular radio show, no knowledge, no real knowledge of prophecy or the, or you know, the word of God or any of that. I mean, the guy's, you know, he's he's a natural man. I understand that, and he was trying to take me apart, which is fine. That's his job. And, uh, you know, I'm a big boy and can stand the heat in the kitchen on, on t- to, to a degree, all right? And um, it was a very cordial exchange. But he said, well, you know, L.A., why, why should you be believing us? And I said, well, look, I've been tracking this stuff on the blog for about eight years. I said, well, let's just take a random chapter. Let's take Fukushima. Now, is Fukushima getting better or is it getting worse? And we were on Skype so I could see him. He starts squirming in his chair. Hmm. And the, ne- the next one we went to, what about... The idea of earthquakes in diverse places. Are we getting more earthquakes or less earthquakes? Again, squirming in his chair. So I start going down the punch list, and finally, after like five or six years, he goes, okay, 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 I get it. And the bottom line is, he did get it. And that's why I wrote the book. It's, 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 the subtitle is called An End Times Handbook. And what this is, it's, you know, a lot of people out there, the ostrich people, they don't want to hear about this stuff. They, they're not interested in it. Don't, don't confuse me with the facts. I like my little world, and you're really annoying me with this kind of stuff. And I want to say this right up front. What we're looking at is the beginnings of a cosmic regime change. That's what's coming. That's what's been foretold. What was foretold will unfold. What was written will come to pass. That's where we are. And this regime change is taking, this cosmic regime change is about to take place, is in the process of taking place on planet Earth. And this is all hails back to the Matthew 24, Mark 13, Luke 21 narrative by Yeshua, Jesus, who says, these are the signs of the coming of the end of the age. And this is what the regime change is about. You know, the price was paid on Calvary. We all understand that. But the kingdom is not yet here. And, you know, there are those who say, we have to take the kingdom. Well, good luck with that. You know, go tell ISIS that. It'll never happen. Right now, the planet is ruled by the fallen cherub. He's still the god, little g, of this world. But the regime change is in the process of taking place. I'm not a date setter. I have no idea when that's going to take place. But the signs in all of them in the Matthew 24 biblical prophetic narrative are all operating full tilt. And this is why the book was written. And when we go back and we examine the eight years of, of, of blogging, we can see that there's a pattern happening here. That's, that the situation, in spite of what people want to believe, is not getting better. It's getting worse. And that's good news for those of us 
who walk in a biblical prophetic narrative or view the world through a, a biblical prophetic lens or have a, a biblical worldview, like, I, like we, I'm assuming all of us do here, um, it's good news because that means the return of the king is imminent. The return of the king, the rider on the white horse, will happen at some point in the future. We're not there yet, but we're certainly ramping up to it. The Matthew 24 that you're referring to, that is the uh, the verses that describe the earthquakes, uh, rumors of war, uh, yes. wars and rumors of war, pestilence, famine, that 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 type of description in the in the Correct. in those verses. Okay. Correct. Okay. We were just talking to uh, someone about what's going on in the Middle East, or actually what's going on in Europe, but uh, directly it has to do with the Middle East, and especially with the Paris attacks that just took place about a week or so ago. Yeah. You know, what do you see is going on with ISIS? You know, how does a group like that fit into this, 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 this idea, this scheme here? Well, I, first of all, ISIS was more than likely created by the U.S. Um, when I say the U.S., um, there's a shadow government that's been in place. By the way, the, the today's is the anniversary of the JFK assassination. Yes, and and we have not had a real president since then, in my opinion. Uh, the military-industrial complex, and there's probably a very dark. Um, liaison with them, and this goes back into the Roswell stuff. And I'm wearing my tinfoil hat even as I speak. <laughs> but I think that the powers that be know what what they're attempting, what they're trying to do, and that is a one-world global government um, run by the Antichrist at some point in time. We're not there yet, but my gosh, we're, we're running towards it. So ISIS is more than likely a creation. In fact, I, I posited that months ago when they first rose to the scene. And sure enough, that intel was later uh, picked up and, and all, it's over the Internet if you want to look at it by multiple sources. They were created in Jordan with the uh, CIA and the Jordanian help. And their mission, and remember, these are all Islamists, okay, but they're all Sunni Islamists. And I, again, I'm going to double back here. The Russians, the Chinese, the North Koreans are all backing the Shia Islamists, okay? The U.S. and the US and, and Europe back the Sunni Muslims. So we're looking at World War III here because the Sunni and Shia Muslims hate each other and have so for basically 1,300 years. Yeah, this is something I was talking to uh, Luke about, the co-host who's not here, but we were talking about this the other day, and I was really coming to the point where I see that the Middle East is basically uh, the theater that a lot of geopolitical struggles are being fought in right now. Yes. That's being fought, instead of being fought directly, it's being fought there. Yeah, it's, it, and we're backing the Sunnis and the, the Ruskis and the Chai Koms and the North Koreans are backing the Shia, which is, of course, the Iranians. And um, right. they're going at it and, it, and it's crazy. But ISIS was created basically to topple Bashar al-Assad. That's why they were created. And remember, Assad is an Alawite. He's not a Sunni. He's an Alawite. There's a big difference there. And that's why the Ruskis are backing uh, Bashar al-Assad. And it's interesting how he's, he's managed to hold on to the reins of power now for several years where this um, so-called Arab Spring Revolution continues to kill you know, thousands of people Every week, there's also a clip which I had on my blog, lamarzuli.wordpress.com, of a Russian drone over the city of Damascus. And as far as the eye can see, the city 
the surrounding cities have been reduced to ruinous heaps. We've been trying to get hard intel showing what Damascus really looks like. You can't find it anywhere. It's like a media blackout. It's not mm. there. Um, has Damascus been, in fact, reduced to a ruinous heap? This fulfills the Isaiah 17 prophecy, uh, which, which again, is, would be astounding if that's the case. The fact that the Ruskies are down in the Middle East, the Chicoms are there, uh, in my opinion, we're looking at the formation of the Ezekiel 38 scenario. Um, and in the meantime, uh, the Bill Salas Psalm 83 scenario may be also uh, about, about to happen. We are in unpredictable, unprecedented, tenuous, tumultuous times. I've never seen anything like this. And that's why I think the book Days of Chaos, along with Watchers 9, by the same title, Days of Chaos, is incredibly apropos for the times that we find ourselves living in now. The Psalm 83 uh, scenario, that would be where Israel is attacked and then attacks back and takes a lot of the land there in the area. Yes, it is. There are people, you know, Bill's critics say that the uh, 67 war did that. And, 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 and they're right. I mean, the 67 war, certainly Israel expanded her borders. I mean, she was, you know, two hours away from going up to Damascus and would have gone to Damascus. Yeah, I mean, they, they were ready. To, united they were ready. Jerusalem too. Yeah. Well, they, they, they were ready to go to Damascus. I mean, the yeah. Israeli forces, you know, not only did they capture the old city and were flying the flag on the Temple Mount for a brief period of time before they ceded it back to the Islamists. Otherwise, they would have had, you know, complete complete insanity at that point. So they were smart doing that. But they were they were hours away. They could have gone into Damascus easily. They, they captured uh, great portions of the Sinai. Um, obviously, the West Bank, which they still hold, they're never going to give that up because that's where Jerusalem is, and on and on it goes. I mean, the, you know, some people look at that and say, "Well, you know, is is that the fulfillment of, of '83?" And you know, Bill makes a very cogent argument that it's not. And uh, based on the Ruskies and the Chicoms, and you know, it, down there now in in Syria, it'd be very interesting to see what takes place. Look, Hezbollah is entrenched in the north, in Lebanon. It is. For all proper, all um, intensive purposes, the proxy army of the Iranians, and again, it's once again we see, you know, Sunni versus Shia. But these are Hezbollah is the proxy army; it's the arm of the Iranians. What you see in Yemen, the Houthis, which again are a proxy army of the Iranians. So uh, right. in Gaza, we've got um, uh, Hamas, which of course all these all these entities I just named are the sworn enemy of Israel. Uh, they want to establish an Islamic caliphate in Jerusalem. That's the end game. That's what they want to do. And so, um, you know, Hezbollah, Hamas, uh, the Iranians, the Houthis, ISIS, they're all trying, the Muslim Brotherhood in Egypt, they're all trying, uh, can you close that door, please? All trying to establish a, an Islamic caliphate with the capital in Jerusalem for the most part. I mean, that's where they're all, the Muslim Brotherhood, I've, I show a clip at my conferences places where I speak, and uh, uh, this, this fiery imam, this is several years ago when, uh, when <laughs> the now-deposed um, Mohammed Morsi uh, was, be, was elected Egyptian president, and I think he was in office less than a year, and the army took over, kicked him out. He's now, uh, he's been, uh, uh, gone through the trial, and he's now on death row. Basically, they're going to kill him at some point, unless something else changes, who knows. But um, so much for for Morsi, but the but the Muslim Brotherhood supported him, and uh, 
uh, Higazi, Safwa Higazi, is this very fiery, fiery imam who stands up at Tahrir Square. There are tens of thousands of people yelling to Jerusalem, we go martyrs in the millions. And he says, our capital, he says, I yell it, I say it now from the Delta, from the heart of Egypt, so the whole world can hear that our capital will not be Mecca or Medina. Our capital will be Al-Quds, which is the Arabic name for Jerusalem. They don't call it Jerusalem. That's the Israeli's name. The Jewish people call it, you know, Jerusalem. He calls it, and Muslims call it Al-Quds. That's what it is. And you hear Al-Quds, Rehim, Mehran, And they're saying in Arabic, to Jerusalem we go martyrs in the millions. That's what they're saying. And that, well, the, that the Iranian force that's fighting over there, in uh, Syria right now, it's called the Al Quds, the, oh, the yeah, paramilitary force. It's 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 all about the liberation yeah. of Jerusalem. I mean, it's this is what this is what we are looking at. I mean, it's right out of biblical prophecy, and the natural man can't understand it. But the supernatural man, the man who is born from the spirit of a living God, and and understands the biblical prophetic narrative, can see that it's all unfolding according to plan. Again, we are looking at the nascent beginnings of a cosmic regime change. That's what this is all about. In the meantime, all hell is breaking loose, literally, on the planet. And that's what the book Days of Chaos is about. Right. I want to ask you a little bit about the animal die-offs, uh, the fish and animal die-offs. Sure. So, you know, this is something when you, uh, a lot of those that you had uh, uh, in the book, those blog entries were from 2011. And I certainly remember that at the beginning of that year, the the fish die-offs and the, the birds yep. falling from the sky. Uh, has there been any recent cases of that <laughs> that's more recent that's been going on? Because you... I haven't heard a lot about this, and Over a lot of that's yeah. A lot of yeah. that's news. There's some news hype and hoopla there, and once they're not interested in a subject, they of course will drop it, and you won't hear about it. 160,000 antelopes dropped dead in a field in Kazakhstan. Wow, Kazakhstan. When was that? Uh, about a month ago, two months ago. 160,000. 160,000 antelopes. Drop dead. Um, 30, uh, I think, either blue whales or humpback whales beast themselves up, up, in, uh, up in Alaska about a month ago. It is literally ongoing. And you've got to dig for it on the net, but it's there. And they don't talk about it because they want people to wake up. Um, but this is, it's an ongoing uh, event. You know, it's not every week, but it, right. it's alarming to me. And, you know, see, the thing is, the again, people will try to stop, well, L.A., it's the only reason why we know about this is because we're all connected now with the Internet. Baloney. Absolute baloney. And here's why. People will say, you know, earthquakes. Well, now we know about the earthquakes, L.A., because we've got the Internet. I mean, you know, information age and everything else. Look, folks, here's the deal. <laughs> Several years ago, I love that voice. Isn't it great? <laughs> Several years ago, in, in Oklahoma, the state of Oklahoma, the average amount of earthquakes were two a year. Right now, Oklahoma is the earthquake capital of the world. Now, they're getting close to 700 earthquakes. And then, and then of course, the skeptic poo-poo's it. Well, LA, these, are, these are small earthquakes. Look, guys, they're earthquakes, okay? Something's wrong here. Something's shaking. The ground isn't happy. Is it the Madrid fault line? I don't know. They don't know. Is it fracking? We, is it a combination? No yeah, I was going to ask you about the fracking, whether that was... Uh... It, it may, it may pay a, play a part in it. But I don't know, 700 earthquakes? They're nearing 700 earthquakes in 2015. 
It's now the earthquake capital of the world. I mean, it's just wacky. But no one knows why. Is it the Madrid fault line that's waking up? Does it have something to do with the BP oil spill? We don't know because the, the Gulf Stream may have changed. I mean, look, if we just take one isolated incident, it's, it's easy to say, well, you know, it's always been this way. You start combining the 20 chapters or so in the book and it's, 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 people go, oh, my gosh, it's not business as usual. This thing's coming down like a freight train on steroids. And that's the position I hold to. And all one needs to do is look at the Middle East, the Fukushima disaster, you know, the, the endless troublesome times, the rise of lawlessness everywhere, the earthquakes in diverse places, the coming financial collapse. Are you kidding me? The one billion abortions on the planet with a B? I mean, this is unprecedented. We've never had abortions like this. Yeah, they've always been abortions. But one billion since Roe v. Wade? Are you kidding me? This is like this is like opening the gates of hell. It's a ritualistic blood sacrifice, which is global. And this is why it's another signal that we're in the last days. You know, the fish and, the fish and animal die-offs, so like the, the link to the earthquakes there, I mean, that could very easily link to just the amount of just the – the increase in volcanic activity, the increase in the earthquakes. Another thing that I have heard, and I heard this recently, was there are some scientists that have said that we're in like the sixth great extinction or something like that. And a lot yeah. of it's being caused by by humanity and what, what humans have been doing. Well, you know, they'll always say it's, and they'll always back it up in, in the global warming. I mean, that that's what they do. I mean, it's, right. it's always global warming. And, you know, this was a... If we don't, it, this is this is the classic wag the dog thing with the global warming thing. It's like you know, you'll either believe in, in global warming or we will shoot you. I mean, that's basically what it's at. <laughs> there are actually some people are calling for this, you know, and it, and it's absolutely crazy. There is no such thing as global warming. It's not happening. I mean, Mount St. Helens put out more um, uh, carbon monoxide in the air than, than than every car on the planet since the freaking industrial revolution. I mean, are you kidding me? So. Um, look, while, while the pollution in China is bad, the pollution in L.A. has been cleaned up for the most part. So something is happening on the planet. Nobody really knows what it is. In my opinion, these are the last days. These are the end times. With the fish and animal die-off that we see happen, and I'm actually on the on, on someone's YouTube thing talking about severe, severe weather. This was November 18th. I mean, we had snow today, you know, up 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 in the um, up in the Dakotas. Wild, crazy weather. Record drought, record flooding, record snow, record heat. I mean, it's all over the map. But what's causing it? You know, the the Book of Job. When we when we look at it, the Book of Job tells us that the fallen cherub is able to control the weather on some level. He's able to do stuff, you know. And we take this. The natural man again will take. All this and just, oh, this is just wacky weather. They never look to the supernatural. And I err probably too much to the side of the supernatural. I think some of what we are seeing literally um, bears the fingerprints of the fallen cherub all over it. Um, I think this is what he does. He causes chaos. Um, you know, and, and look, when Jesus is in the boat and that storm comes up, threatens to, to sink the boat, and the disciples are, you know, fearing for their lives— I think that that's the finger. I wrote about this in the book, my book, The Cosmic Chess Match. I think the reason for this is he's trying to kill him. 
He's trying to kill him all through his ministry. I mean, that's why he's here for three and a half years. That's all that the fallen cherub tries to do. Kill, kill, kill. Rob, kill, and destroy. That's his job. That's what he tries to do. And so when Jesus is in the boat, that storm comes up. Why? Where did that thing come from? You know, why all of a sudden is this? And then Jesus goes, be still. Boom. Just like that. Two words. Be still. Knocks the power out of it. So, you know, I think the fallen cherub is certainly not God, but I think he's got a lot of power. And I think we need to understand that some of what we are looking at may be caused by the by the fallen cherub himself. So, um, you know, you start putting all this together in the cosmic blender, as it were, and I think it, it's right on track for for the um, you know the unfolding of the end times. One thing I wanted to ask you about was the the spirit of lawlessness, and yes, uh, you do talk about in the introduction to the book about one of the things that did compel you to write this was the zombie attacks in Miami. Do you remember this, Rob? Oh yeah, you remember that? Yeah, I mean this this was this was crazy stuff. And let's talk to that just a little bit about the zombie, like the, the quote unquote zombie attack. Uh, here's just something before I get to that. Here is a Sanibel Island massive fish die off. Hold on. Let me, let me just pull it up here. See where it is. Breaking news, November 18th, 2015. And it's this Sanibel Island massive fish kill. Wow. And, yeah. Hold on. Crazy stuff. Yeah, I mean it is. I mean it's just it's just it's just everywhere. I mean it's just it happens all the time, <clears throat> but people have to look for it because yeah. you know the the media isn't going to cover it. The zombie apocalypse, the zombie attack in Miami. When this happened, the news media, oh my gosh, he's on basalts. And now back to you, Bob. And that's that's what they were doing. <laughs> and this this guy's you know this this crazy man, uh, um, Rudy Eugene was supposedly high on basalts. He strips naked of all his clothes. And he attacks this homeless man, Popo. And after subduing the man, he starts chewing on his face. Now, that's insane. There's no way around it. Normal people don't do this. And the media is going, you know, touting the, the basalt thing, and this is what it is. And, you know, the basalt, it's just like, it's just like Benghazi really didn't happen because a bunch of Islamists on the anniversary of 9-11 who were radicalized, jihadists, you know, they didn't see a little movie by some nutcase in Hollywood who makes this B-movie. They never saw the movie. It's a classic <laughs> wag the dog. That was, that, was, that was just such crap, L.A. That Absolute really was. nonsense. <laughs> really nonsense. <laughs> it's classic wag the dog. And yeah. instead, they go and they, they sodomize our ambassador. They take a cattle, a cattle plod, a cattle prod, and, and spark his genitals for a few hours before they sodomize him, and then they kill him. And what does our president do? Classic wag-a-dog thing. And Hillary Clinton, who's responsible for this, it's on her watch, she's running for office? Are you kidding me? Seriously? What difference, I mean, what difference does it make? It, it doesn't make any difference because everything's That's, that's what, that's what she said, true. remember? Yeah. What difference does it make? Unbelievable. Look, you could you could have Winnie the Pooh running for president, and if he ever got elected, 
I have a small piece of fluff in my ear. Nothing would nothing would change because he's just a puppet, just like Obama is, in my humble opinion. Okay, so the zombie apocalypse is going on. Classic Wagga Dog. It's all going to be bath salts. And Rudy Eugene is high on bath salts. And the media is running, you know, this is what bath salts is, Bob. And when, you know, you mix these bath salts together, it makes someone crazy. And I blog. I think I may have been the only person on the planet to blog. Who knows? I stated, first of all, this is not bath salts. We are looking at supernatural forces, specifically the demon who was a Nephilim, because this is what the demons who roam the earth are, the disembodied spirits of a Nephilim, in my opinion. That's what they are. They're not fallen angels. Fallen angels are fallen angels. Demons are the disembodied spirits of a Nephilim wiped out in the flood. So I go, this has the telltale marks of a Nephilim spirit. It's a demon that inhabited this guy. Well, guess what? 30 days later, when the toxicology report comes out on Rudy Eugene, because, oh, by the way, when, when the policeman came on the scene, he's called, he's there. Rudy Eugene is laying on top of Popo, chewing his face. Isn't that lovely? And he fires a shot, a warning shot, and Rudy Eugene doesn't respond. Uh, he turns and growls at the guy. He then fires a shot in his leg. Again, nothing. And this guy won't stop. So the policeman finally kills him because this, this, you know, he's looking at something which is, by the way, the policeman who, who was there and did this left the force and is, is, is now in, you know, on, on disability leave. And who wouldn't be? What he witnessed was the supernatural. What he witnessed was something so visceral, um, so demonic that he really needs help in dealing with it. And he's not going to get it from a secular psychiatrist, but I digress. So Eugene is killed. They do the toxicology report 30 days later. And remember, I'm the guy blogging about this, saying that this wasn't, this wasn't a basalt occurrence. This man was possessed by a Nephilim spirit. Sure enough, 30 days later, the toxicology report comes out. All they found was traces of marijuana. Surprise, surprise. There's no bath salts in Rudy. Well, and the media doesn't say word one about it, right? Which is, you know, very typical. They never was, say anything. It was it's already off the news 40, cycle. You know. uh, off the yeah. news cycle. Now we're on the Bruce Jenner sex change or whatever, right? So, <laughs> so that's where we are. That's where we are. And th this is th this incident to me was very telling because the dark forces are ramping up. Make no mistake about it. It is ramping up. Lawlessness is everywhere. No one is safe anymore. Do you think ISIS is not the epitome of lawlessness? I don't know what is. If ISIS, these people are absolute murderers, they are thugs, they are jihadists, and they need to be killed, period. They need to be exterminated like cockroaches are. And I really mean that with, with all the sincerity I can muster because you are never going to change their ideology and they can look at you with it with right in the eye and the next minute they'll slit your throat and that's where they are. And that's what happened in Paris and that's what happened in Mali. And that's, it's going to continue guaranteed. Watch the Christmas season in this country. And I, God, I hope I'm wrong, but I blogged about it. LAMarjali.wordpress.com. I have stated unequivocally that our morals and our schools are soft targets. It already happened in, in, in Oregon. We still know nothing about the shooter, do we? Nothing at all about the shooter. Nothing. Yeah. He was a tr very troubled. We need to round up the guns. Are, are you kidding me? No. Every teacher needs to arm themselves and, and carry in every single school 
every security officer needs to be carrying a weapon, okay? If everyone's carrying a weapon, guess what? No one's going to open fire. Just think if the security guards have been armed at that venue, at, at the Bataclan, and I'm probably pronouncing that wrong because I'm not French, Bataclan. However you pronounce it in, in France, right? If, one, if the security guards have been armed, the outcome may have been way different, but no yeah. one, you know, probably the probably would have been a lot less know. deaths. Yeah, they I know. They know that no one's armed, and the same thing in the malls. You know, watch watch the stupid movie Mall Cop. The guy rides around on a on a Segway. That's going to do a lot of good, right? Charge him with your Segway. Hit him over the head with your lunch thermos. That'll do really. <laughs> the malls are a soft target here in America. And that's deeply, deeply troubling. And they always go, L.A., you've got nothing to worry about here. The policemen are only five minutes away. In five minutes with an AK-47, do the math. How many people can you kill? And these people aren't stupid. It's already happened in Nigeria where they took over a mall. And, and I don't know. I don't know what the body count was. You know, 50, 100, 100 200. It doesn't matter. But it's coming here. And the fact that our, our president, with all due respect, is acting like an absolute lunatic allowing these people into this country. It is unconscionable. In my opinion, it is, it is a impeachable uh, offense. And the Republicans, of course, don't have the backbone to do anything. So, you know, other than bow down to Emperor Obama. But it, it's absolute insanity that he's allowing these people into this country. And then you get idiots, with all due respect, like Michael Moore. Oh, let the Syrian refugees come here. Hey, Mike, guess what? Let's let them into your house and see how see how much they really care for you and your way of life and your freedom that you enjoy, Mike. Let's see what happens. Let's see, in fact, if you're not beheaded in the first week, because that's more than likely what's going to happen. Because they don't care for your freedom, Michael. They don't care for freedom of speech. You have freedom of speech. You can create all the anti-American dribble that you want to. But guess what, Mike? We have the freedom not to watch it if we don't want it. If we don't want to watch it, these people don't like freedom. And that's why they kill and they behead and they perform atrocities. But, Mike, I guess you really don't understand that. And I'm calling you out on this show because, with all due respect, sir, you are a clueless individual. And that's the end of that rant. Michael Moore just got called out on our show. How do you feel about that, Rob? Uh, well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I just wonder what the solution is to all that. It, it really, I just wonder what the solution. Are we solution, having fun yet? Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I'll, I'll, always with you, LA. Uh, you know what the solution is to all this. I, I mean, uh, the, especially this this refugee crisis and what's going on with the refugees. Uh, bring uh, the potential of them bringing them here. Uh, it, it it really is. It, there's a lot of different like conflicting information that's out there, and I just wonder. You know, I guess the end game, you know, what, what is the, is, do you, is there a nefarious purpose, I guess, here? Yeah, I, I blogged, I, I actually, I actually blogged about this on Friday. Okay. Uh, the nefarious purpose is out of chaos order, and all you need to do, all, all, and they're doing it already. Merkel's, Merkel's going to bring, uh, uh, one million Islamists into, into Germany. It's madness. And everybody yeah. knows it's madness, and no one does anything about it. What you're, what this will do is create chaos, and then they will ride in with the solution, the one world government. That's where all this is going, and and, and this is what out of the chaos will come order. This is the mm -hmm. Illuminati game plan. This is what's happening. It is madness to do this. This is why I'm quoting Ted Cruz here. 
who call Obama's actions lunacy, and it is. It's absolute lunacy. There's no doubt about it. Here's the deal. The Saudi Arabians have a tent city which can house up to 3 million people. 3 million people. The Saudis have a tent city, and it's air-conditioned. Hello? That's what it is. It's right. air-conditioned. And how many refugees are they taking? Last time I checked, pretty much nothing. See, that, that, that's the part that really blows my mind, that these neighboring countries yep. would yep. not take any of these people. Uh, Saudi Arabia, United Arab Emirates, these, these richer Gulf states are not going to take any of these people or take responsibility for them. That just blows my mind. You would think that somebody would make international agreement of Europe, Europe would say to these people, we're not going to take all these people. You need to help out. They, won't, they don't care. It's, it's, a, it's the Islamization of, of Europe. And unfortunately, the people are too dumb and too, you know, too limp-wristed and, and, and worrying about lattes and living off a of government goal. And you remember, you know, our, our, our blood and treasure liberated Europe. Thank you very much. My father landed in D-Day. So, yeah, I don't want to hear any, any nonsense from the French about it. But, you know, you, you know, what they need to do is grow a backbone and, and stand up and realize that they're losing their country, their culture, and their way of life. And, you know, interesting enough, Mark Stein has a book, which I read years ago, which is just phenomenal. And he talks about the Islamization of Europe, which will happen within 20 years. And that he's right. What will happen is because of the abortions in those countries, they have negative birth rates. Because the people abort their babies. And so when they abort their babies, they have a negative birth rate. So the, the Muslims come in and they have five, six, seven, eight children. Guess what? Guess what? In, in a generation, they become the majority population. This is all very calculated. This is what they're trying to do. The, idea, the ideology of, of Islam is world domination. It is a fascist ideology. It is not a religion. It's a political movement. And... You're, you know, Americans don't have a clue with, with the likes of Hillary, you know, Clinton and Obama. Isn't it interesting that that uh, Mohammed, um, Ahmed Mohammed, the clock boy, builds a clock? He doesn't make anything, first of all. He didn't build a clock. He took the innards from one clock that someone else built and put it in a little small display case. And it looked like a bomb. And, you know, because of the political correct nonsense, if it had been a bomb and it blown up, you know, okay, no harm, no foul. You know, we need tighter security. We need to round up the guns somehow. But the fact that no one, you know, the people acted, in my opinion, in the right way. You know, this guy was expelled from school because it looked like a bomb, you know, and the teachers are kind of going like, I don't know what I'm looking at here, but I need to call the authorities in. Smart move. Bully for you. Now they're going through sensitivity training. You know, the, it, the interesting sensitivity thing. Sensitivity training, guys. The interesting thing I've heard about that. Ridiculous. Was that the, uh, his father. Yeah. Was, is, is, some, yeah. is some kind of activist in the community there. He's an activist. There, yeah. And He's that an they. <laughs> but, there, but there were other things that were happening. In this in this same town, it, there was the uh, the mayor had come of the same town had come out and said that we're not going to allow Sharia law in in this town, and so it almost seems like this was a very it, you're right it was a very political thing in a way to kind of set 
to set these people up almost. Here comes this Middle Eastern kid or Middle Eastern descent walks in with this with this <laughs> with this clock that's got nothing around it, so it's just component parts. But it's it still ends. works and it's still counting. It's still counting. And it, yeah, it, it was it, it, when you first read the story, like when you see it on Facebook, you think, oh, you know, poor kid. You know, you got Obama sitting there uh, saying, like, nice clock. You know? Nice clock. Come to the White House. Come I mean, to the White realize, House. Yeah. yeah but he invites, when you really he look at the story, it's, it's totally, it, it, it's, it, it's, there's, it's, there's more to it than just that. Oh, way more. Yeah. Um, here we go. 337 whales beached in largest stranding ever. 337 whales beached in largest stranding ever. The cause of the massive die-off discovered in remote waters off Patagonia, Chile, is being investigated. Scientists say they are most likely sea whales, which are endangered. Now back to you, Bob. I mean, this is it. It's just, it's just wacky. And then it's they just, start talking about the Kardashians or Bruce yeah, Jenner. Exactly. Right? Oh, yeah, exactly. I'm sorry. Caitlyn. Caitlyn Jenner. Yeah, Caitlyn. Oh, sorry. <laughs> call me, me Caitlyn. I mean, do you realize how crazy we are? It's just like where the only way out of this mess, guys, may be up. And I mean that. I long to see the return of the true king because you're not going to change this. We're, not, we're never going to change the ideology of the imams and the mullahs in Iran. It's never going to change. You know, you're not going to change the ideology um, of <clears throat> of ISIS. That's never going to change. You know, we can't fix a $19 trillion debt that we have in this country. And they spend more and more and more, you know, every year. And by, by the way, this nut job, with all due respect, Mr. Sanders, Bernie Sanders, he wants to even increase the taxes more and make us a socialist nation. Excuse me, sir, the Russians already did this for about 75 years and proved that it doesn't work. It you know, doesn't I, work, okay? I, I, I find Why are we doing this again? I find Sanders interesting in the appeal that he has to young people, but I just, the socialist thing, I just, I can't get behind that, you know? I really can't. I, well, the I, problem I, is, the, the under 30 crowd here, all you guys want is free stuff. I mean, it just amazes me. Well, I'm, I'm almost 40, LA, so don't Thank you. me in there. Well, I'm, I'm saying you guys, you know, <laughs> rhetorically here, hopefully. But I mean, the younger generation are going, well, I, I get I get emails from these kids in their twenties. Oh hey man, you gotta make you need to make this stuff for free, man. Like, you know, people have like a right to know. Like, you know what I mean, man? Like for all. And I'm going like, excuse me, sir, why don't you come over and pay for my car payment? Oh, and by the way, I'm feeling a little hungry right now. Can I come over to your house and you can cook us dinner? How does that sound? And you never hear from them again because, you know, all of a sudden that you shine the light of reality. It cost me Hundreds of hours to produce a book and thousands of dollars. And I have no idea who's going to buy it or who isn't. Yeah, no you doubt. Know? No doubt. So what do I do with that? You know, make it free, you know, so you can have free stuff. You know, well, welcome to <laughs> welcome to socialism. And it sucks. It doesn't work. I want to ask you this. Uh, yes. You had uh, you, you had mentioned this kind of like the Illuminati plan. And uh, is there... Because I really feel like sometimes that there is a plan, whatever you want to call it, the Illuminati, whatever, 4-H club, I don't know, whatever you want, <laughs> whatever you want to call them, the powers, the powers that be, the, the, the hidden hand, as okay. someone I know likes to call them. The, is, do you think that there might be the, a 
program to pit Islam and Christianity and Judaism against each other. Yeah, that's exactly what's going on. I've written about this extensively. It's, it's called the one, the coming one world religion, the great deception. And and again, you create the chaos and then you bring the answer in. And the answer, of course, is the so-called extraterrestrial. There are three chapters on this. There's a there's a, a thing called um, the Dark Knight, which I'm posting on the blog tomorrow. It's all around this. Dark We're Knight, totally surrounded. Yeah. Yeah. We're totally surrounded by this stuff, and that's the answer. And the Pope has positioned itself, like Chris Putman talks about, for the coming great deception, the revealing of a so-called extraterrestrial presence. That's the coming great deception. That that creates the one-world global religion. That stops all the nonsense and amalgamates all these diverse cultures and nationalities because now all of a sudden our creators are here. And guess what? The creators, our gods, little G, will have free stuff. Oh, I love that. They'll have free energy. The stuff that the energy that pilots the crafts will be available to every person on the planet for free. Free energy. Then they'll show us the DNA upgrade that we all need to get. And that DNA upgrade, you can only get it if you become a citizen of the world. Bum, bum, bum. And you become a citizen of the world of a new global governance. And then you can get the free DNA implant, which is exerted as a little chip underneath your skin, and you change. And now you can live for 500 years or 700 years disease-free. But that ship, I believe, and I've written about this, is the mark of the beast. That's what it really is. And it will change your very, the, very, the very essence of your humanity so that you become a modern-day Nephilim. That's what you become. It's going to mess up your DNA? Completely. I guess. Hmm. Yeah, that's I, what I said. Have recently, last month, we had Dr. David Jacobs on the show. Oh, I love his stuff. Just read his yeah, book. Me too. And uh, yeah, just read it myself. And what do you think about his latest book about the, the walking among us, about the f- fact that there, there could be these, and I know where you come from on this, and I know that you don't see it in the same light that he does. You see it more in the light that I probably would see it. But it, what what is your take on what he's writing about these these hybrids, or as he calls them, hybrids that are being integrated into society? Well, we we've had reports. I've written about it uh, in the news magazine. I read that. Yeah, yeah. And um, Mike, uh, Pastor Mike uh, McClung, was out for a prayer walk near where he lives. Uh, on a beautiful summer day, this happened about three months ago, and right after it, he texted me. You're not going to believe what happened. I still have a text. And, uh, you know, I interviewed him. Shortly thereafter, sent him, like, a bunch of different questions, and uh, he answered the questions in a written format, and those were posted on the news magazine. But the bottom line is this. He's out for this prayer walk, praying for people. In the distance, he sees a very tall, athletic woman, very young. I mean, you know, in her 20s or 30s. Uh, very athletic looking, six three, six four, uh, strikingly whitish blonde hair pulled back in a ponytail, and okay, that's a little odd. But you know, there are female basketball players that look like that, so okay, you right. know, no, no big deal here. But he's never seen this woman before, and he's just kind of looking at her. Having been a spiritual man for a number of years, decades, and very aware of the demonic and spiritual warfare, the moment he sees her, he's, he's like uneasy because he knows that feeling. 
and he begins to pray. As she comes closer, they make eye contact, and she has very pale blue eyes. As she comes even closer, the eyes change from pale blue to dark black, jet black. At that point, he begins, Mike begins to speak out loud and rebuke it in the name of Jesus, basically saying, you know, no curse will alight upon me, my family, or anything you must leave, you foul and unclean thing. And as this this woman, who I believe was a hybrid being, because her eyes just shifted to black, passes Mike, she bares her teeth and growls at him. Hmm. Now, what does that sound like to you? Uh, well, it sounds like a, something well demonic. I know you're yeah. going, but... It also sounds like the uh, Black Eyed Kids. Black Eyed Kids, which we believe were the the vanguard of the coming hubrids that Dr. Jacobs writes about. I think she was a hubrid. I have a report from a woman which was in last month's um, news magazine of two, this is in Alaska, of two hybrid beings that she encountered. And it's just, it's a riveting interview, absolutely riveting interview. Same thing. Um, they're, they're weird. They're, they're hybrid beings. They, they can integrate to a point, but then it falls flat on their face, just like Jacobs is talking about, where um, the woman that she saw was in her gym. She's a gym rat, this woman who I interviewed, and she's been a, a gym rat for like over 30 years. So this woman is there, um, and again, she's very athletic looking, and she's doing all these all these you know machines and everything else, but she's also with what we would call a handler, what Jacobs would call a handler. There's this short, kind of frumpy, out of shape woman who's with her the whole time. What's she doing there? Completely out of place, completely out of place in the gym, and she's not working out. Well, they go into the rocker room, and the hybrid—I'll use that term—or the hubrid changes yeah. and goes into the shower. Well, this woman doesn't want to stare. But this woman's body, the Hubert's body, does not look human. And, you know, her hackles are up on end. I mean, it's just weird. Everything about her is weird. She looks very androgynous. It doesn't, something's wrong here. And she goes back and she puts on, get this, the same dirty, sweaty clothes that she just got off, uh, changed out of. See what I mean? This yeah. fits Jacob's description. In fact, yeah, I got to I got to write, David. I got to talk to David about this because I've got information that he needs to hear because it substantiates what he's writing about. And I'm getting, you know, not second or third hand information. I'm getting information from people who don't have a Dr. Jacobs, you know, dog in the hunt. You know what I mean? They haven't read his book. I need to tell them about this and I'll send him an email soon, maybe right after the show. But the bottom line is um, this woman gets dressed in the same sweaty, dirty clothes that she just changed out of. That's wacky. Normal people don't do that. And then the, the, the person that I interviewed who's viewing this, she didn't know how to put her socks on. She was struggling with her socks. Wasn't sure what they did, how they fit, how to put them on. The handler came in and helped her. Same thing with the shoes. Uh-huh. Same thing with the shoes. Uh -huh. Not sure how to tie them, what to do. And the handler helped her. So, you know, it's just, look, guys, I wasn't there. I don't know. But, you know, I'm in the process right now of getting my new TV studio up and running. We're, we're going live here, hopefully before Christmas. And, uh, you know, there's so much to talk about. And the blog, you know, video is king. Let's face it. And, um, you know, 
from I'm going to be doing a lot of Skype interviews with people, but this is the kind of stuff we're going to be talking about and have videos and stuff. And, you know, people, people send me stuff all the time. I mean, for instance, the, the, you know, the idea of the, of the, of the dark night. I mean, we need to show that video and show it to people and then comment on it. You know, I'll blog about it tomorrow, but my gosh, that's, you, you don't you don't see it until you can see it, you know, and then it's like, oh my gosh, I can't believe what I'm looking at. So, look once again, days of chaos. We are in unpredictable, unprecedented times, and it's not getting any better. And it's and everything is firing. All the signs that Yeshua warns us of are all firing on all eight cylinders. And people need to wake up and see and start doing their own research. That's why I call the book an end times handbook because that's what it is. It's an end times handbook. One of the interesting chapters, and it's a shorter chapter, uh, but this is something I really wanted to, to uh, chomping at the bit to talk to you about this this whole week, is the uh, Marian apparitions. Sure. And I actually, the, um, inter- the documentary that you cited on that in the book, I actually went and watched because it's on YouTube. You can watch it for right. free. And uh, very interesting. Yeah. Very interesting documentary. I, I thought in some ways it didn't go far enough in exposing exactly what it is that we're that people are dealing with. And, and I'm going to be honest with you. I have always, with that, um, the Barian apparition stuff, you know, I would hear about it and I really want to give it a second thought. But if I did, usually I, it, 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 that stuff always kind of creeped me out. There was always something yeah. just weird about it. Like nothing, it did not make any sense to me that there's a lot disturbing about it to me. And so I just kind of wanted to get your, like your ideas on what that is that we're people are seeing. And one of the things you've talked about a lot in your books, prophecy, uh, politics, prophecy, and the supernatural, you did discuss a lot about Fatima and the, the, that manifestation there. And there's a lot of tie-ins with UFOs. Yeah, and in that one is is specifically in Fatima, and 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 what people don't understand about Fatima, they need to go either buy my book or um, the Armada's book, <clears throat> Celestial Lights, fa- fascinating book. <clears throat> and the bottom line is these Marian apparitions are, in my opinion, a harbinger of the coming Great Deception. And the link that I show in the book, and I show this video to people <clears throat> when I'm out on the road is a so-called Marian apparition off of, over a Coptic church several years ago, 2009, not that long ago, uh, in Egypt. And Muslims and Christians are gathered together in front of this Coptic church and all hand clapping and, you know, doing the, you know, the whole deal. Um, utilating. Yeah, yeah, utilating in front of a church. And uh, the mayor was so freaked out that he had all the electrical turned off to the entire town to make sure this wasn't a hoax. And it's not a hoax, and you see four apparitions, four light beings. One looks sort of feminine because it's got this long blue trail. The other one looks like the baby Jesus. It's always a baby. I mean, what? <laughs> then there's Joseph, supposedly, and then the angel. There's four four globs of light. That's all it is. No one's rebuking this thing and asking questions later. No one's challenging it. They're all clapping their hands and basically worshiping this thing. And this is how far down the rabbit hole we are. In, 20, in 2015, nothing has changed. People are so easily deceived, um, <clears throat> even Christians. You know, when I show people this at, at, at conferences, they sit there with their jaw on the ground going, I had no idea this was going on in L.A. 
you know, it's time for the church to get out of the four walls and start looking at the weather report, you know? In, in other words, check the weather report out, but get out and see what the weather's actually doing because it's it's nasty out here, and that's where I live. You know, I, I live in the weather, and what's going on is, is unprecedented. And so the Marian apparitions, in my opinion, are harbingers of the coming great deception. And we see how easy it is for people to be deceived by anything remotely supernatural. You know, UFO in the sky, oh my gosh, look at those lights. No one's rebuking. No one's saying, in the name of Jesus, the Lord rebuke you. No one's saying that. And that's the first thing we rebuke first, ask questions later. The the Marian apparition thing is just such uh, it, it it that documentary was so interesting in the fact that they use the words that and I, I'm assuming that you've seen it the 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 words that they had that are supposedly come from the this the what is purported to be the Virgin Mary right. Uh, the phrase co-redemptrix, co-redemptrix, right? Which is, I mean, right there, right there. I mean, that's 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 just. I mean, that's not even that's not even mainstream Christian thought. And then, secondly, the phrase "Queen of Heaven." There and you go. Down this, in Jeremiah. And 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 I think the reason why it's always a baby is because, well, before Christianity. That's what you had. Pictures of Isis with Horus, other goddesses with their children. I mean, I think that's the reason. That's the reason why. So it really makes me think of stuff in your work, especially with you you talk about the Prince of Persia, the principalities and powers of darkness, and that that's probably one of them that has set itself up as a god and has just morphed itself and adapted itself to the new belief system. Well, I, I'm assuming you're talking about Jim Tetlow's film, right. Queen of Heaven. Yeah, Queen of Heaven. A, yes, yeah, we actually carry that. It's a fascinating documentary. Uh, Jim passed away a couple of years back. We sorely missed. Um, long, slow decline, health wise, and uh, the enemy, you know, doesn't like that because he's a watchman. Jim was a watchman, and uh, you know, I spoke to him often on the phone. Uh, in, in, in the good years. And, uh, you know, we bandied about all sorts of ideas when he was well enough to do so. And I miss him. He, I considered him a friend. And we still carry some of his work, Messengers of Deception. But that's what they are. Um, that's what these apparitions, uh, you know, you mentioned the idea of co-redemptrix, which is absolutely blasphemous. <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah. It's blasphemous. Yeah. And that's the problem. I mean, the Catholic Church, with all due respect to Catholics out there, um, you know, they need to start reading their Bibles and understand that there's only one Redeemer and he's not on the cross anymore. My gosh, quick, get him off the cross. You've already seen, you know, but the Pope walks around with, you know, Yeshua on the cross. He's, he's a risen Savior. That's what he is. And he's coming again soon. And so um, there is no co-redemptrix, which is absolute blas blasphemy, that Mary was not assumed into heaven. Mary fades from the biblical prophetic narrative right after the book of Acts. We hear nothing from her. Do I revere her? Absolutely. Is she, is she blessed among all women? Absolutely. You know, I'm not taking any of that. You know, she's the God bearer for crying out loud. I mean, it's incredible. 
It's incredible, but she's not the queen of heaven. It doesn't work like that. She's a sinner, like we all were. I mean, just like Peter is not the first pope. There was this is all the invention of man. They're just making this stuff up as they go along to create a religion so they can control the masses and make lots of money. Go to the Vatican and look at the wealth. You could take that wealth and go to South America, with all due respect to Catholics. Go to South America and look at the, the, the abject poverty the people are in. I've, I've been there. I've been to Brazil. So have I. I know. And you yep. know what I'm talking about. Yep. But, there's, but there's an ornate cathedral on every corner. Oh, yeah, in every town, there's an ornate Catholic cathedral. And the people give and give and give and give and give. And there is no middle class. And you can, you can in my opinion, and I think Francis Schaeffer in his book, uh, in his books, um, which I've read, talks about this, that a strong case can be made, that the freedoms and prosperity that we enjoy in the West are, can be directly traced to the Protestant Reformation. That changed everything. And the fact that the United States Constitution was penned for the most part, now, I, I get it. You know, there were, there were um, what's the word I'm looking for? The guys with the little apron, you know, the, the, the Masons were there. I get it. There were Masonic influences. I get it, I get it, I get it. All right, all right, all right. But the bottom line is the Constitution of the Declaration was, was penned from a biblical overview, a biblical worldview, in my opinion. And, and not everyone was a, was a deist. Not everyone was a Mason. You know, and that's why we have the freedoms that we have in this country. No other country on the planet has it. There's no other country that has it. And in my opinion, it can be directly traced back to the Protestant Reformation, which which created this great nation. Has this nation screwed up? Are you kidding me? Look what we did to the Native Americans. Look at the, the black mark, no pun intended, of slavery. And, you know, we're still wrestling with that, and we're still paying the price for it. So, unfortunately... Right. There is no quick fix. There's no easy answer. I only know that my hope is in the return of Yeshua, the Messiah. That's the game changer. And I think we're in the, in the process, like I stated early on, of, of looking at the, um, the beginnings of a cosmic regime change. And that's where we are. That's why the book Days of Chaos is so apropos. Was there anything that you wanted to ask, Rob, or anything that you wanted to... Um, as per usual, I'm just trying to process. <laughs> I know we're near as well versed as Adam in, in any of these topics. Uh, I wanted to ask you one before we get out of here. One question about uh, you do have a section in the book about the rise of anti-Semitism. Right. Well, it, there's been a lot of. Well, I, I, do you see that the, that that rise of anti-Semitism has been because of the actions of Israel, or do you think that there's more of a? Uh, uh, and obviously, I believe you know you would say that there's more of an outside influence there, but there's some interesting some interesting things that you cover in that, like the banner in uh, Tahrir Square right. about the new right. Holocaust, and then what do you do with that? What do you do yeah. with that? And, Stop right there. Why, why haven't the American people seen that banner? Why hasn't our media shown the American people what's really going on? <laughs> it certainly doesn't paint that crowd in a good light, does it? Oh, it certainly doesn't, does it? There yeah. it is. One nation under a new holocaust. We don't see that here. Just like yeah. we don't see the body count every week or every month for how much of our blood and treasure 
not only died in Afghanistan, but the fact that our returning blood and treasure to this country who are wounded, who have a problem, get no help. Meanwhile, let's let's allow all the refugees in and put them up in the days in. We'll make sure we do that. We'll make sure we bring as many Muslims and Islamists and everything else here, but we won't take care of our own. It's absolutely unconscionable where we are in this country. Completely lopsided, completely out of touch with reality. Completely out of touch with reality. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think South Park's been mining that ground pretty well the last few there episodes. There you go. You know, Israel, Israel was founded at the end of World War II. And people who don't study their history come up with these ridiculous assertions, like somehow this is the synagogue of Satan. I addressed this in the book. First of all, what most people don't realize, there's been a continual Jewish presence all throughout the Middle East since the diaspora. So, yes, there are Jews that came in from Europe. I get that. But there are also Jews that came in from what is now Iraq or Jordan or Syria or Lebanon. And, oh, I forgot to mention this, that those countries did not exist before World War I. And that's what people don't get. They're always talking about the poor Palestinians and the Palestinian homeland. Are you kidding me? There is no such thing as a Palestinian that's invented. There are no Palestinian people. They are indistinguishable from their Arab neighbors. They are just Arabs. But they've taken on this, this mantle of being Palestinian. There are no Palestinians. They're all Arabs. And they're indistinguishable, literally, from the Jordanians or from the, the people in Lebanon. What, what the dirty little secret that people don't tell the American people, and most people, because our, our teachers don't teach history anymore, they teach propaganda. But at the end of World War I, when the Ottoman Turks lost their empire because they sided with the Germans in World War I, the victors were the British and the French who came in and created, carved up the Ottoman Empire and created the, the states that we see now. The countries that we see now were formed by Britain and, and France. They have nothing to do with anything. Syria, Lebanon, what is now Israel, Jordan, and Iraq. And Egypt was given its independence. Even Egypt was, was in some ways carved up and, and set apart from the Ottoman Empire. People need to understand this. And then what people don't understand is at the end of World War II, people said, oh, the Brits were all in charge of this and the Brits made the Israel. Nonsense. The British fleet guarded, ran a blockade preventing Jewish immigrants to settle in Israel. Most people don't know that. Yeah, and I they, know that. And they turned yeah. them back. Right. They turned them back. Yeah. So isn't it funny how it's okay to have Syria and Lebanon and Jordan and Iraq and Egypt, but somehow we can't have Israel. Somehow the Israelis are not allowed this teeny weeny tiny little bit of land smaller than New Jersey. They're not allowed to be there. And yet they have a right to the land, in my opinion, because of the biblical mandate given them thousands of years ago. They've had a continual presence in the Middle East and... Just like prophecy tells us, specifically in Ezekiel and Jeremiah and another passage, in the latter days I will regather you from the four corners of the earth and reestablish you in your ancient homeland. Get this, never to be removed again. And never means never. So what the enemy will try to do at some point will be to move all the Israelis out of Israel 
to prove that the God of the Bible is a liar. That's never going to happen. It's never going to happen. And that's why we're looking at Psalm 83 war, Isaiah 17 prophecy being fulfilled, and the Ezekiel 38 prophecy. I, I want to ask you real quick about more of what's going on now in, in Israel. Uh, do you think, I mean, the Israeli government is a secular government. And do you think that they have made mistakes in of their course. dealing with the Palestinians and that, that, that blood has been spilled on both sides of the equation and that it seems to just, it seems to just never end over there? It never ends because the Palestinians, all they really want is the end of Israel. And that's the bottom line. You think uh, all yeah. of them do, though? I mean, no, I, I not mean, all of them. No, not all of them. There are Palestinians. Hamas does. I will admit Hamas that. Does. Yeah, for sure. Hamas and Hezbollah but, do too. Yeah, but I, I, there's got to be, you know, the the wall there that's in the West Bank. I mean, right. to, to me, I have a big problem with that because it's just. I remember the Berlin Wall. I remember the Berlin Wall coming down. Right, and it just seems like. Israel's built this wall and, and for a lot of people, that's okay. But it was okay for the communists to build the wall in East Germany for the same reason? No, it was a completely different reason for the communists. The communists built the wall to keep people in. Well, they're trying to keep people out. No, they were trying Is, to keep Israel's people, trying to keep people out. Israel's yeah. trying to keep people out. And the, the people that they're trying to keep out of are suicide bombers. That's the only reason why the wall was built. Yeah. They but, got tired of having, sitting in a cafe and having your wife and kid blown up in front of you by some nutcase wearing a suicide vest. Now they now they're now they're the and this is where push is coming to shove. Again, not reported in the Western media. Over a thousand people, there were a thousand stabbing incidents in the last month in Israel. Over a thousand stabbing incidents in Israel. The bottom line is um to the Palestinians, are there good Palestinian people? I don't, I can't answer that. All I know is that the ideology is hate, hate, and more hate. And for most of these people, they're, they're not interested in living side by side. They will never recognize Israel. They want the end of Israel because it has to do with, and the problem is there are two supernatural events which are coloring the body politic. One is Muhammad receiving the Quran, which then sets up Islam as a religion. And those supernatural events call for jihad. The other one is the God of the Bible, Judeo-Christian Bible, which, and then the chosen people are Israel, and from the chosen people, we get Mashiach, Messiah. It's interesting, I had a dialogue with a Muslim guy who insisted that the Bible was wrong because Satan rewrote it 300 years after Jesus. Well, prove that to me. You know, where, where's your source? Some imam telling you that in Jerusalem someplace or in, in Cairo? That's your source? That kind of sounds like our last guest that we had on. Oh, it's, <laughs> it, it's, it's wacky. Bible wasn't rewritten, you know, at the Council of... We, we've got manuscripts. We've I, got agree, ancient I agree manuscripts. with you on that. I mean, it's, not, it's nonsense. Okay. But that's, you know, if you fall for the premise, then the rest of the argument you're going to lose. You know, but that's... that's we're, we're looking at two different sets of supernatural events coloring the body politic, shaping the ideology of its citizenry, and then manifesting in what we see today. That's, that's what's going on. That's what's going on. Another thing that I think is nonsense, and you write about this a little bit in the book, and you interview uh, Dan Gordon about it, is yes. the uh, Khazarian 
thing. That is yeah. something that it started out at the very beginning of anti-Semitism. And this is the idea that the Khazars were this, uh, they were a Turkish tribe that converted to Judaism. Yeah. That's yeah. historically verified. However, nobody really knows what happened to them. And so there is this school of thought and a lot of it is anti-Semitic school of thought that the Ashkenazi Jews, all of them come from the Khazars and this has now kind of gone into the Arab world as well, along with stuff like the Protocols of the Elders of Zion. And right. it's gone into the Arab world, and this idea of the Khazar myth, right. and that that would say, well, they're not the Jews of the Bible. Yeah. And that's what that's what anti-Semites like, um, hey, yeah. hey, Tex, I'm calling you out, dude. Tex Mars constantly uh is, is promulgating and it's and it's absolutely right right out of the pit of hell which is why i addressed it we've had two call outs on the show now bro mark that well down. <laughs> both of those guys need to be called out you know tex mars is just full of hate he doesn't yeah. understand who israel is and he's insists that these are the kazarians do your homework man it, it's a it's a bogus argument it's an app it's an argument you know the synagogue of satan completely taken out of scripture completely taken out of context and all you're doing is sowing the seeds of anti-semitism you sir with all due respect are a, are an anti-semite and you're going to have to remember that yeshua who was from the tribe of judah was it was a jew there's no way around it and if these are not the jews texts then let's go find them together. How about that? We'll get rid of all these Jews in Israel right now, and Tex and I will go on an expedition to find the real Jews. They've got to be out there somewhere. I just know it. It's it's a straw man argument. Sounds like a history it's, channel show. <laughs> it's a straw man argument, and it's based on nothing. The protocols of Zion have been proven countless times to be forgeries. Right. The so-called Khazarian myth happened in the, in the middle of the 19th century. Again, out of thin air, recent DNA testing of the so-called Ashkenazi Jews prove, prove that they are, in fact, the Jews. And then text, because this really annoys me, <clears throat> okay? And I don't care anymore. Can't you tell? I mean, I really don't care anymore. I'll never be on his show. I don't want to be on his show. And I don't care what he thinks of me. But he needs to be called out because he's spreading this ridiculous hatred wherever he goes. And I'm calling him out. Let's go, Tex. Come on, man. Bring it on. Yeah. You know? Let, let's debate this on, on some show someplace. I'm ready for you. Let's do it. Let's debate, Tex. I'm calling you out, man, and I hope you hear it. Because, because you're full of hate and your argument is a straw man argument. What was proven is that Hitler had no problem figuring out who the Jews were and that the death camps in Germany were not just four or five. And, you know, the anti-Holocaust people are always trying to dumb it down to like 800,000. Most people don't realize how many death camps or how many camps and holding areas and prisons were part of the Third Reich's Nazi death machine. Most people figure it's a couple of hundred, 20,000. 20,000 camps. There was a whole apparatus, a whole industry that was based in industry, around the Holocaust. In industry. And Hitler yeah. knew what he was doing. I wrote about this in the Cosmic Chess Match. These are the children of Israel. LA, these... I'm sorry. No, go ahead. I mean, I just want to say that this kind of idea is rife within kind of like the conspiracy theory community too. Exactly. We had a guest on this show. I'm not going to say who it was. Anybody can... 
listen to that show, they'll know who I'm talking about. Basically deny the Holocaust on yeah, this I show. Know. Yeah, right. And it was uh I had I had to do some damage control on it. I had to basically do a whole other show about hey, the Holocaust happened, okay? It wasn't a lie. You know, it, it wasn't a conspiracy. It happened. And and when I hear that kind of stuff, and especially as, you know, I have studied the Holocaust. I, you know, right, so have I. Right. I, you know, I've looked into it thoroughly. It's just, and, and the rise of Nazism and the ideas that were there and how the Holocaust occurred and its roots, it really worries me sometimes some of these conspiracy theories that are out there uh, that deal with that. It's well, some crazy stuff. I, and it's I the agree. same it's, stuff. That the Nazis were saying. Well, it's the same deal, and this is what this is why guys like Tex Mars are so are so dangerous because he's trying to paint um, Israel is the synagogue of Satan, the Jews are the synagogue of Satan, and this is why I included uh, a, a written um, uh, article by the late Dr. Stephen Eulish, who who just takes that whole thing to task and says, "Look, man, you know this is all those who were Jews and say they are not." Well, there, there you go. This is written 2,000 years ago. This has nothing to do with what's going on today. It's completely taken out of context. But the uneducated and those who have a anti-Semitic bent to begin with will run with this thing like crazy. And here's the other deal. And this all gets back into supersessionism and replacement theology. You can bet your bottom dollar that Tex Mars and others of his ilk are, are supersessionists. In other words, they look at Israel, and this isn't really Israel, and they don't figure Israel into the prophetic narrative at all. And yet everything surrounds the nation of Israel. And guess what? If we are in the last time, and we are in the last days, what is, what is Tex Mars going to do when Israel begins to rebuild the Third Temple? How does that figure? Because he can't even go there. Because if Israel begins to rebuild the temple or they get the ability, and remember, the guy who signs that deal to allow Israel to build the temple is the Antichrist. That's yeah. how close we are. They are going to rebuild the temple. It is going to happen. Then what? Are you going to try to say that this is all the synagogue of Satan and these really aren't the real Jews? Wait, you can't build a temple. You guys aren't the real Jews. Stop right now. I mean, that's how absurd it is. It's totally absurd. These are the real Jews. I mean, this is it. DNA testing has proven it. Again, read Dan Gordon's account. And, you know, they cherry-picked their information. Look at the whole deal. There has always been a Jewish presence throughout the entire Middle East for the last 4,000 years. Period. End of story. That's true. That's true. Uh, well, Ellie, we are about out of time. This has been a roller coaster ride, as usual. Uh Tell everybody where they can get the book, uh, sure. where they can get the Watchers DVDs, and where people can contact you if they want to talk. LAMarzuli.wordpress.com is the blog, and LAMarzuli.net, LAMarzuli.net. And you can avail yourself of the Watchers series, Watchers Nine Days of Chaos, the riveting book which you've been talking about, all these chapters. Pretty much everything we've talked about is in the Days of Chaos. And if we're not in them, if you don't think it's the Days of Chaos, maybe it might be time to pick your head up out of the sand and and, and turn in your ostrich, uh, ostrich people membership card. Because this stuff's coming down, folks. And the cosmic regime change is in the future. We're not there yet, but that's the hope that we have. 
You know, when you see these things, Yeshua tells us, when you see these things, what things? Everything listed, the punch list in the, in the Matthew 24 biblical prophetic narrative. The wars and rumors of wars, famines, pestilence, earthquakes in diverse places. Men faint for fear from what is coming on the earth. Everything is firing. Wake up. Understand that he loves you. He has a purpose for your life. He's coming again. He's returning to this planet that we are looking at a cosmic regime change. By the way, his feet touched down in on the Mount of Olives, which is in Jerusalem. He doesn't come to New York City or Paris or Walla Walla, Michigan. It's Jerusalem. And that's why it's so important to understand the biblical prophetic narrative hinges around the rebirth of a nation of Israel, which happened just a few decades ago. And here we are in the days of chaos. Okay. Well, excellent. Thank you so much for coming on, L.A. Thanks, guys. Uh, we're going to close this out, but stay on the line for us just for a bit, and we will be right back on Conspiracy Normal. All right. Welcome back, everybody. That was a fascinating interview. Yes. Chock we, full of words and ideas and geopolitical stuff that I will never understand. Yeah, there was a ton there. <laughs> there and, was. And, and, and two call-outs. I mean, we had Michael Moore called out and Tex Mars called out. Yeah. I don't know if you know who. Do you, I mean, you don't. Do you know who Tex Mars is? No, I don't think a lot of people know who he is. Tex Mars is. Uh, <laughs> he's this guy in uh, in Texas, and uh, he's been actually on Alex Jones a lot, and he talks a lot about uh, the Illuminati and kind of like your basic, like you know, the Council of Foreign Relations is behind everything, conspiracy theories, and but he tinges that with. Uh, with like this anti-Judaism or like anti-Semitism and, 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 and LA is right. I mean, he is very anti-Semitic and it's funny because when I was a kid, uh, my, my dad had this guy that he worked with and, uh, for some reason, these people gave a subscrip- subscription to Tex Mars's magazine. So I can remember getting that in the mail when I was a kid. <laughs> it was like kind of unreal. Uh, we're not going to take very long because we don't have our source of mirth and merriment, which is Luke. And he had a hell of a story to say to tell tonight. So we'll have to hit it next time. But uh, everything we talked about, I mean, we covered with Steven. We talked to L.A. Uh, this was a hell of a show. Um, but we, we talked a lot about the refugee stuff. And this has been this has been on the radio, on the news constantly with the refugee stuff. And I want to kind of get your idea of what, you know, what, like your insight and like what you've seen and, and how you kind of feel about, it. and especially like the information, especially like from Steven, like how you, Oh, that was, Steven was great, man. Um, I, he, he, made, he made me reconsider a lot of stuff really. I mean, I'm, you know, our, that's the big debate debate today. Our, our country is founded by immigrants, you know, and we got the, the whole what is it on the Statue of Liberty or it's it's written out somewhere I can't even remember where send us your weary your weak whatever like that's that was like our like slogan out there you know and now it's it's like well as long as I don't know it's 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 such a such a hot topic it's hard to even yeah know where I I, I or what I feel about it or how I stand it's but. I'm all about people coming here with the intention of improving their lives and getting away from, you know, scary, evil stuff that's going on over there. And especially over there. I mean, you know, if 
if I imagine a, a family over there with children that's that's seeing this and is like just wanting to get away, like I, obviously I you know bring them over, bring them over if they're willing to at least somewhat integrate into our culture and not try to force their culture on us. You know, if you want to come here and keep your culture, that's fine. Keep your culture, keep it to yourself. I agree. Also cool. But you know, like he was talking about, it it takes, um, takes a lot of effort. It takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of money for that kind of integration as far as, um, you know, learning the language, learning customs, learning all of that kind of stuff. And if you just have a mass influx, it's, they're going to end up just in a big group together, practicing the same things yeah. they've been practicing for thousands of years and sort of isolating themselves. And I, I don't think that's a good thing either. So it's, I, I find it interesting as a Christian that a lot of people that have been concerned and worried about this, that this supposed influx of Syrian refugees, and, and I think the figure that I've heard is like ten thousand. Yeah. Mean, like I said, it's a drop in the bucket compared to what Stephen is talking about in in uh, Germany or all of Europe. But yeah, I I find it funny that that a lot of the people that are most vocal about not having them here have been people in the Christian camp especially kind of like evangelical christians Mm -hmm. uh they have a lot of them are scared that the that there's going to be people from isis mixed in but yet in the bible it does talk about helping the refugee helping people that are poor helping people that are strangers there was that Good Samaritan story. Yeah, the Good Samaritan story. I mean, that's a that's a great that's a great example of it, you know. And and, and Jesus even at a certain point in the Bible says, and "I can't. I'm not a you know chapter verse guy. I can't quote the verse, but you know he he even says, you know, the the hungry, the poor, you know, the least of these, what you have done to them, you do to me also, you know. So how does the Christian community here? rectify what they're hearing on God, I hate even saying this Fox News <laughs> you know because it's such a cliche to say Fox News is the big evil MSNBC is just the damn bad right but you know it's it, rectify what they're hearing in this kind of fear-mongering attitude and with what they're being taught you know uh Case in point, like my manager at work, you know, he, uh, I guess he would describe himself as maybe an atheist, maybe an agnostic. I'm not sure. His wife is a Christian and his wife and his, and her mother were actually arguing and saying, we shouldn't let these people in. And then here's the atheist agnostic guy saying, yeah, we should, it's the right thing to do. And that's one of the things that like, it's like a complete, it, it's almost like you're showing that the person that's the atheist and agnostic, supposedly the big enemy to these Christians is showing more compassion than well, the Christians are supposed to show. That's, I mean, we, we had a lot, really good talk actually during the break 
After, yeah, we should have uh, recorded that. Right? LA. But that was one of the things we were talking about because I, I, I tend to lean towards the agnostic viewpoints. I mean, right. I, I love the teachings of Jesus, but I don't necessarily call myself a Christian. Um, unless that's all it takes to be a Christian, then maybe I am. But I. Well, it, it takes a little more than that <laughs> to be a right. Christian. But I mean, you should, you should try to live. Yeah, the, to what Jesus said, the, and, the morals and, God and ideals and everything, his his teachings, I think, were, right. are are great, and Me that's too. that's kind of how I I feel about the current situation too. Is yeah, there may be a slight threat, and I mean, you know, the flu killed <clears throat> ten thousand times more people last year than terrorists did. So, let's take that tiny little slight threat and help out right. the other ten thousand people. Or the 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 amounts of car act people that are die in car accidents a year. I mean, if you were just to take that figure, you would think that there's a war going on in this country, right? Yeah, you know, because people are dying every day on the road. You know, the the chances of dying in a terrorist attack are much much slimmer than dying in a car accident. You know, it's just it, uh, you know, it's how much the media actually inflates it and just puts it in your. We talked a little bit about this with Micah Hanks. You know, it's just like it puts it in your living room. It, it makes you, it, it inflates it even bigger than it actually is. You know, uh, not to denigrate the 132 people no, that have died no, in, in, in France, but realize that's 132 people. I mean, one death is horrible. Don't get me wrong, but we focused on France. And meanwhile, in Syria, 76,000 people died last year. Right. You know, and, and and it really makes you think, you know, Joseph Stalin said that from that cold, atheistic, communist point of view, Stalin said death of one is a tragedy to death of millions is a, is a statistic. And I think people have just kind of become numb to this. They don't see these people as people. They don't see them as... Uh, it, it, but at the same time, you look at what's going on in Germany and what and what Stephen is talking about, and it's a very it's a very complex situation. There's more there's more shades of gray here right. than <clears throat> well, than it is black and white. And well, yeah. And the the thing that I got out of him um, was that you can't. Well, it's just like I, I you know I try to I've tried to explain to other people around me before. You you can't. You can't help people around you if, if you're not in a good situation yourself. You know, you got to help yourself in order to be able to help people around yeah. you. If, if it's a detriment to the country and to the citizens of the country, then you're not doing anybody a favor. You're just <clears throat> you're taking from them to give to them. Right. And it's, you know, L.A. said something while we were talking to him and he said that, you know, ISIS, they needed to be eradicated. And there's a big part of me that agrees with that because ISIS is pretty heinous. I mean, you look at what they've done, mm-hmm. all the women and children that they've killed, all the, uh, all the beheadings, the, you know, the, 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 you know, burning those guys alive in the, in the cage, uh, you know, uh, blowing up Palmyra, <laughs> the ancient site, blowing mm-hmm. up these temples. I mean, it's heinous beheading the guy who was the uh, the uh, the caretaker the archaeologist the 80 something year old archaeologist they beheaded him you know these are horrible horrible people but at the same time 
I look at like the story of the apostle Paul and Paul before he became a Christian was a Jew. Of course, his name was Saul and he was one of the most hated people probably in the Christian community because he was one of the most fervent to kill the early Christian church people in the early Christian church because they were against mainstream Judaism at the time. And Ananias was the old man that was told by God that he needed to make room for Paul, for Saul. And of course he knew who Saul was and he said, should I really do this? And then Saul had his conversion experience became Paul, became one of the, the apostle Paul, and, but he was the radical. He was basically a terrorist himself. He beheaded people. He stoned Stephen, the, the, the early apostle Stephen, stoned him, helped to stone him to death. And so there's a conflict there in my soul. Like I want, I'd love to see these, a lot of these people dead, but at the same time, as a Christian, even you got to love even the most heinous people. And that's, that's the hardest thing of all. Mm-hmm. Hardest thing of all. Not your job to judge. Yeah. Then again, <laughs> it's like, hard. Like you were saying before though, we, God gave us this world and he didn't screw it up. Surely it was us. So <laughs> surely we should be the ones to fix it. Yeah. You know, well, I, mean, I believe that eventually he's coming to fix it, but it's it's gonna. I think it's still gonna be a while, and I think we still need to try to make the world as good a place as we possibly can, and try to help everybody. <laughs> and instead of you know, things are getting crazy, and it's so easy to get in that mindset of. We need to squat up with our tribe and we need to get out there and we need to bash some heads and we need to just, you know, we need to take care of these Muslims and we need to, you know, and they're doing the same thing and, you know. No, and I'm, I'm with you and I think there's a real enemy behind it that we should all try to focus on. Don't care what religion you are. If someone's trying to pit us all against each other. Don't care what race you are. It's the same thing. It's all, yep. it's all divide. It's all chaos. It's all there for a purpose. Gandhi said, eye for an eye makes the world blind. And it's hard to live by those rules. We talk about the day of my church. We talk about the narrow path, the narrow way. And that's like the hardest way to go. But I see a lot of people getting influenced by TV and just wanting to go out there and just bash heads. There's a shirt that uh, I think sums it up pretty well, some of this attitude. And it's a shirt that, uh, it's a funny shirt. It has a picture of Jesus on it. It says, come at me, bro, <laughs> <laughs> on the top. And I think that just so, that so well just encapsulates it in my mind. Uh, anything else you wanted to add, Rob, before we call it a night? Um, let's see. Uh, I don't have any good stories about 
furries and yeah, yeah. We were gonna talk. I mean, if Luke was here, we were gonna talk about we were gonna talk about his trip to Circus So Gay. So we'll have to we'll have to yeah, cover you'll, you'll that hear next about time. It eventually. <laughs> He'll probably have like two or three more three or four more EDM parties that he's been to <laughs> by the time that that's over. So by the time we get to the next show, and for the next show, uh, real excited. We're gonna have on uh, Rebecca Roth, who has written a couple books, Methodical Deception and Methodical Illusion. And these are books about 9-11. And this is going to be an interesting interview. Um, we're going to talk about how, what she feels is behind 9-11. Uh, she, is, she is a former airlines, uh, was it, uh, flight attendant. Flight attendant, flight attendant. Yeah. You don't want to say stewardess. That insults them. She's a, she's a former flight attendant. So she has a, I think a unique perspective on some of these supposed phone calls that were sent in uh, that we, we we heard about, and how she feels that a lot of what's portrayed in those calls was not uh, the same as what she was trained to do. So that's going to be interesting, guys. This is episode ninety-eight. Next Ooh. time is ninety-nine. Yeah, one hundred is coming up. And I'm busy organizing the extravaganza. We're going to have a bunch of guests in here. Sure not. Still not sure how I'm going to pull it off. Yeah. We're, it's, <laughs> we might, we might like that, that board might start smoking. So we're going to have, we're going to have some, we're going to have an interesting time. So, but uh, we do have like the mega mixer board over here. Oh yeah, we do. So they're like, they recorded Led Zeppelin on back in the day. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, thank you guys for listening. I want to thank Stephen Ogden and thank L.A. Marzilli for being on the show. And next, we join us next time on Conspiranormal. No loot quote here.
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.